What number is this, Chip? Zilch 117. Fandom Lenses takes a look at the monkeys present the Mike and Mickey show in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, don't, mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. Zilch. 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 You're listening to Zilch, a monkeys podcast. back to Zilch. I'm one of your hosts here today. Today we'll be joined by Sarah Clark, who along with a bunch of wonderful Monkees fans to see the Monkees present the Mike and Mickey show in Cleveland, Ohio on June 16th, 2018. Zilch is happy to have Sarah Clark on board. She's a big part of what happens here at Zilch. She also has another site called FandomLenses.com. Fandom Lenses is Sarah's take on the world of being a Monkees fan and more. So let's turn it over to Sarah Clark as she finds out there's been no one keeping score. The Monkees present The Mike and Mickey Show, Cleveland, Ohio, June 16th, 2018. Sarah Clark's recap. Take it away, Sarah. I sort of think of Zilch as my monkeys, and my pop culture blog, Fandom Lenses, as my Shoe Suede Blues, or First National Band. My pop culture blog came several years before the podcast, and although the events of the last six years or so have led to it leaning very heavily towards Monkey's content, that wasn't actually the original intent. But hey, art evolves in weird directions. When Ken asked me to turn my review of The Cleveland Show into a Zilch episode, I was a bit stumped, because although I've learned how to immerse readers in a show through the written word, I wasn't sure how reading an essay at y'all for half an hour would translate into anything but sleep-induced crashes on your various commutes. And then it hit me. Because I don't have an eidetic memory, believe it or not, I always record any show I plan to review on my phone, so I can go back and re-listen to key moments. It's not always the best recording, and this one has a a little bit of ups and downs here and there, but it actually turned out pretty solid. So, I'm going to use a condensed version of that recording to take all of you to Kane Park Amphitheater while I read a lightly edited version of As She Finds Out There's Been No One Keeping Score The Mike Nesmith and Mickey Dolan Show in Cleveland, June 16th, 2018 Okay, so let's recap, because I've just had the wildest eight months of my life I didn't review the St. Louis 50 Summers of Love show in October 2017 here because I'd literally just come back from the biggest job interview of my life halfway across the country, actually had a follow-up call with my soon-to-be boss right before I got in the car to drive out to St. Louis from Tulsa, and I simply didn't have the mental bandwidth to write anything coherent. I was also so exhausted I managed to trip over a curb and sprained one and a half ankles the day after the show, so... Yeah. I didn't review the November 2017 solo Mickey show at the Hard Rock Casino that is five minutes from my now former home because 
In between going to the show, I was frantically packing up and cleaning the house we'd lived in for 10 years to move halfway across the country to take the aforementioned job. I didn't even go to the December Mickey show in Bay City, Michigan at the same venue where Peter gave my sisters and I a musical gift that I'm still trying to pay forward in some ways, because, well, see pretty much all the other essays I've published here at Fandom Lenses. And then I moved halfway across the country. And then I started the hardest and best job I have ever had and may well ever have. And then Ken almost died. And then all of us on the Zilch podcast team had to think very hard, singularly and collectively, about a sustainable future for the Zilch podcast and our roles in it. And then as the adrenaline of the moves wore off, I started weeping at random moments when watching Sailing Millennial Hipsters on YouTube and got myself back into therapy for the first time since my postdoctoral implosion. And then the Mike and Mickey shows were announced. And I bought tickets for two shows less than a week apart, one in Cleveland, Ohio, one in my new hometown of Philadelphia, because one of the minor facets of this awesome, overwhelming miracle of a life change is that I live a nonstop flight or an easy day's drive from my sisters now. Holy shit, I needed this tour. It was a perfect melding of old and new. Sin, Mish, Maddie, and I, plus my obligatory owl pendant, at the Kane Park Amphitheater in Cleveland. The sisterhood of the Frotisfems hadn't all been at the same show since, Lord, Nez in 2013, I think? And once I handed out my zilch buttons to the crowd that, that was standing waiting to go inside the venue, I could just lean back and enjoy the show. I know Peter argues that pop music is aspirin and the blues are vitamins, but all I know is that their music, solo or group, is some damn good medicine in whatever genre or configuration. Luke, Sulu and Luke Skywalker at a toaster and a TARDIS. Your argument has just gone back in time to kill its own <laughs> There's one I would love to meet. I'd love to meet George Takei. Yeah. Konnichiwa, Takesa. It's the hybrid FNB and Monkeys backing band, we all lost our frickin' minds as I saw Mickey and Nez stroll casually onto the stage. And with absolutely no ceremony, they plunged into what just might be my favorite set list of any monkey show. 
though I actually hesitate to call this a monkey show, but I'll circle back to that in a bit. So the show started out with good, clean fun. And have y'all ever seen Nez give a loose performance? He kind of got there a bit at the 2014 Conventions Movies of the Mind concert. But seriously, the man seemed genuinely, deeply relaxed on stage for the first time ever. And as blown away as I was by hearing a Nez song done live that I never expected to hear live... I realized that this band was big enough and deep enough to render some pretty complex tunes in something close to album arrangements. Though I will note for the record that you did not tell us you'd come back, Nez. Damn glad you did, though. was a thicker, richer rendition of the usual. <laughs> Felt like it was about 15 guitars up there. That said, it gave me a chance to watch Coco and Cersei Link go-go dancing in the back. I don't think I've ever heard them on vocals at the same time, and having them both lending their talents to the show was amazing. confused quip from Nez about Mickey wielding a pair of red maracas that was poignant in its subtlety, we got what might be the best performance of Sunny Girlfriend I've heard to date. 
One note though, given the throwback nature of a lot of the arrangements this tour, Nez's more recent embrace of his stoner phase, and the fact that we all know what that song was really about, see Zilch episode number 18, why not re-embrace the original Eyes as Red as Thunder lyric? Eh, but no pondering time, because they directly morphed into the intro to... to hear the author back into the harmonies of one of my slightly problematic faves. Still a great tune, though. And Coco and Cersei added some excellent layers, too. Told Me was the first song of a few that I'd forgotten was on the set list. I tried to stay unspoiled and haven't watched any of the show video yet, but I saw the set list by accident on a zilch fairly early on. The first of two songs of the evening in which the famous Nez made an appearance. Um, Every straight woman and gay man listening to this knows precisely what vocalization I'm referring to here. I never expected to hear that syllable again in person, and oh boy, did Nez deliver. And as you'll hear, I kind of had a moment. Um, So did Mish, for the record. In fact, I think I'll just shut up and let this one play in full.
think he did for Pete's sake, and did it well, and I grok why it was in the set list, but I've heard Peter do it too many times lately for it to feel quite right. Just made me wish he could have been at that amazing show adding his blues stylings to the evening. But since I know from very excellent sources that he's happy, well, and enjoying life with his family and his music right now, I can only wish him my love. Tulsa Brady Theater Show Review at Fandom Lenses for my feelings about this particular song. And imagine the tensions around it five years later as a library dean freshly moved to the big city of Philadelphia who literally has her name upon the door. And although I also have a zilch mug and a jar of liquid paper on my desk, so I'd like to think I've found a better balance than this song's protagonist. I needed to hear this song this week. It was such a perfect encapsulation of everything I don't want to be as a leader as a, or as a professional. It's sort of a cat's in the cradle for the upwardly mobile, I suppose. I wanted to do right by my new university and my new library and my new team, help them make all the be- help them be all the best they could be while making sure that I was giving them a pleasant place to work every day. By God, I was gonna be Mr. Fezziwig, not Scrooge, and I knew I couldn't afford to make a single mistake. I leaned forward, listening to Nez, trying to get a booster shot of the reality check I'd received in Tulsa in 2013, and then Nez blew a cue and scrambled a verse couple times over, actually. And the band got it back together and finished the song. And then the crowd cheered loudly anyway, because even if there was a flub or two, everyone knew that he cared and was gonna press on and keep doing his best by the audience and his bandmates. <laughs> and then I laughed, realizing that Nez had accidentally imparted a somewhat different message than I anticipated, but the one that this new library leader probably needed to hear more. larger band made this set list staple cook. Also, somebody seriously needs to give Rich Dart a raise. Holy shit, the drums rocked on this one.
say I missed Peter doing the bass lick at the top of You Just May Be the One, but John Billings carried the torch admirably. just may be the one they took a few moments to reset as everyone tuned and swapped instruments for a moment somebody in the audience yelled out the now ubiquitous After we all melted into a big old puddle of feels, it was time for some of Shelley's blues. Newcomer Pete Finney was a revelation on steel guitar. His solo could seriously give Red Roads a run for the money. This tune made me even more excited than I already was for the East Coast First National Band Tour that will be stopping in my city. Because I now live in the kind of city where the First National Band would stop on a tour. Wow. somewhere is an old another old chestnut in the set list that was elevated by more complex arrangements made possible by this larger group newbie alex jewel stepped in on keys to handle peter's customary harpsichord with aplomb all of mike's first national band associates may be new to the monkeys material but they are pros at giving it the treatment it deserves ago I made peace with the fact that I was never going to hear birth of an accidental hipster live. It was 2016, my life was nuts, and I couldn't afford the time or money to go to Pantages to hear this song live. Now I heard this song live. And I was transported to my last day at my old job, blasting this at max volume as I left the library where I'd worked for the last 12 years. I'd wondered how it would sound live being such a complex arrangement, but with that deep, deep band, they managed to produce the wall of sound that number requires. And then the third newcomer, Paul Kramer's fiddle, picked up seamlessly and led us into my friend Maddie's Nick namesake song, St. Matthew. Forget toe tapping. This was a foot stomp and rendition of an ultra deep cut that somehow became a fan favorite in the years since Andrew Sandoval dug it out of the vault. Mickey and Nez traded verses, which was a truly lovely take. 
Maddie looked to be in heaven, singing along with every word. I've always thought it was her song. And you'll notice I'm not playing those songs below my voice right now because I'm just going to let my recording roll for the next six minutes or so. Everyone cool with that? I handed out some tickets today. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea it would be so hot. Did <laughs> 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 you guys come raise your hand if you got to give me a ticket? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we have the pleasure of um, a couple of years ago of uh, doing an album called Good Times. Yeah! Thank you. A lot of great cuts on that. Some unfinished stuff from the from the 60s, uh, including a vocal by Davey and another one by my dear friend Harry Nielsen. And we've got some, some real hot writers that contributed some stuff. People like Ben Gibbert from Death Cafeteria. And also people like Rufus Cuomo and Noel Gallagher and Paul Miller, who, who wrote this next one, one of my favorite on the album.
after Mickey ruefully admitted that had it, been, had it been released 50 years ago, he asked us if any of us knew what it was about, and if so, whether we could tell him. It didn't capture on my audio, but some wag apparently yelled out, LSD, which, in fairness, is probably about 70% of the answer. And this huge band, which always almost felt a bit more like an orchestra at times like this, broke into the best version of Porpoise Song I have heard live, and I've heard a lot of them over the years. I was softly humming along when suddenly a song that's accrued its layers of meaning for me over all the farewells and transitions of my life suddenly and unexpectedly spackled another coat of meaning on top. I suddenly realized I was bidding goodbye, goodbye, goodbye to my old life in Oklahoma. My ego sings of a hell of a lot of things that go with a life of style, too. And although that's not a bad thing, it's a drive I'm having to rebalance as I start living the life of a leader in practice as well as theory. And I wept, but there were tears of relief, not anxiety or exhaustion. I needed to take a moment to say goodbye to the time that was, but also acknowledge the fact that I had been given many gifts that had made me the kind of leader my new university needed, and that I indeed have what it takes to succeed. Oh, and Wayne and Christian particularly wailed on this one. Most Turing acts would kill to have one guitarist to their caliber, and this show has two.
hears some musing about the purpose of the porpoise from Mickey, Nez started the band on Circle Sky. I think we were all blasted back about three feet. Have I mentioned how much sound that band can put out? That's not to say that they can't do the tender stuff like Kevin and I's first dance song at our wedding, too. Cersei and Coco added some lovely layers with their backing vocals, and all in all, it might be the best performance of the tune I've heard, well, except for the time I danced with my husband to it at the Brady Theater in the fourth row while Mickey sang right at us. Sorry, that ain't getting topped. officially got a new favorite version of me and Magdalena. There's more I could say here, but there's limits to the amount of oversharing I'm prepared to do even with fandom lenses. Let's just say that in a time where I find myself attempting to recover some things about myself that I've lost over the years, this one resonated with me at an even deeper level than it already did.
It's time for intermission. We gathered ourselves, chatted for a bit, and talked to more members of Zilch Nation who trickled up to say hi. Again, I'm so sorry I ran out of buttons. Please contact me. I have a few left over. After about 15 minutes, the guys returned to the muggy stage, Mickey having sensibly shed his long overcoat in favor of a country singer-style shirt. P.S. Mickey. It's okay if you need to take off the hat when the venue's that hot and muggy. We get it, I promise. So did you ever think you would hear it? That was that was one of the highlights. Well, I've got I'm getting audio. I'm not trying to do video because we're way far back. Yeah, I see you again. Yeah, I'm, I'm, 
showtime. They've toweled off. Airplane mode. Mickey's a Winchester, he lost the layer. Oh no, he's a Winchester, he lost the layer. <laughs> he's got this western he's, thing going Yeah, yeah I've seen a couple of pics of him. Yeah. Woo! Woo! You folks are changing like a started off the second half of the show with an acoustic mini set, which in turn started off with a longtime favorite, Papa Jean's Blues. It was just the two of them, with Wayne and Christian playing in the background, discreetly to start with, and less so, a sweetly magical change from the bombastic first half of the show to hear their harmony with a minimum of bells and whistles. Damn cool. 
Randy Scouse get? In the acoustic set? Well, what do you know? It works. Though Christian did almost steal the number with his playing along to Mickey's scatting. started trickling back in throughout the acoustic songs, with Pete Finney sliding back in behind the steel guitar in time for this beautiful, poignant rendition of one of Nez's first and best songs. One of his strongest vocals of the evening, at 95% of the evening, he was in the strongest voice I've heard him in live.
Life With You is another tune that doesn't come up much in the set lists. They did it, I think, in 2015 with Peter on lead, but Mickey turned the volume down to an easy country vibe and harmonized as beautifully with Coco as he always does. argue that different drum pushes the boundaries of a monkey song slightly, though I will note it did appear on the TV show courtesy of Billy Roy, but who cares? No funky rearrangements, not that I don't love those funky rearrangements. This one was just a straightforward country steel pedal heavy rendition, with Nez providing a sweet, gentle delivery of one of the best songs in his catalog. Oh, you pay to do love and lost. 
This is another tune where the large band allowed them to capture a sound much closer to the original album, albeit with more fiddle and overall twang. The version with Peter at a two-man band show in Dallas back in the 90s, the first song I ever heard performed live by a monkey, kids, will always hold a spot in my heart as my favorite performance. Uh, this one comes in a mighty close second, though, and it is my new favorite arrangement. turn to goof up an entrance with Andy's Municipal Court. But who cares? The song was all the more amazing for how damn long we've waited to hear it live. And this was perhaps one of the best harmonies of the night. Up there with me and Magdalena, really. Special kudos go to Paul Kramer, whose incredible banjo stylings kicked this one up a notch, if such a thing was even possible, and who could probably give Peter a run for the money, come to think of it. Please don't make me pick one of them, though. My musical objectivity has its limits. Ditto Wayne Avers, whose guitar solo was flat-out phenomenal. done in the original album arrangement more or less <clears throat> I'll be in my bunk
sorry. Can I had a moment there? Where were we? Ah, oh, yes. Nez danced off stage. Yes. Danced. To take a quick break. Sparkly shoes glistening in the footlights. And Mickey did his thing with going down. No audience participation this time, but this is where they uh, stopped to introduce the epic, epic band. I'd say for the next three-key show, they need to bring some of Shoe Suede Blues up there, too, but I'm not sure where they'd put them. to describe this moment of twinkling cell phones and exuberant off-key singing. So I'll let Nez say it for me.
time I saw Peter do this one live that he might do it better? Well, Nez swiped back the crown. The only way we're going to settle this one will be a duet, methinks. song of the main set, this is the point where we all said to hell with it and stood up to dance. Most of the section joined in, so yay! And um, the sound may be a little off because I may have indulged in some mild headbanging.
that, everyone walked off the stage. Except for Nez, who stood alone in the moment, in the spotlight, and started into... This song. It's in every set list. It's their frickin' mission statement. And yet, this is the first time I felt what it might have been like in that studio, watching this recording session play out on the set for 33 and a third. <laughs> well, if it was the imaginary version that should have been. In moderation, dreams are often better than reality anyway. So I'm just gonna shut up and let this one play out. has changed in my life since my last monkey show in Tulsa. I am still a believer, regardless what my address or my business card says these days. Some things evolve, but they never really change. Oh, yeah. 
I guess it's time to sum up. Not exactly sure what to say, since I'm going to the Philadelphia show in a few days, the closest together I've ever seen two monkeys concerts. The nearest con comparison is really the two shows I saw on the same weekend with Shoe Suede Blues a while back, and that's rather a different beast. Thanks to a recent thread on the Zilch Facebook page about onstage bloopers and whether they make a performance better or worse, the consensus was better, by the way, I found myself thinking about why it is I go to see these guys live, decade after decade. When I went to my first shows in 1997 and 2001, it was to say farewell to a girl who I'd just barely outgrown, and to celebrate my new bond with the first friends I'd had since I was nine years old that really, truly got me. 2012 through 14 were all about saying goodbye to Anissa and Davy, of course, and to close the circle with Nez that I hadn't been able to close earlier in 97 because I was an idiot and didn't go to the Justice UK shows. I left the convention in 2014 thinking my time in the Monkees fandom was drawing to a close. As y'all know, that lasted about six weeks. The concerts in the Zilch era gradually, then more intensely, brought the opportunity to share fun and silliness with the ever-growing tribe of listeners that became Zilch Nation. I found I had become revered by a small minority of a small minority, just about the perfect level of celebrity in my humble opinion, and I had to figure out how to use that weird power well. The occasional peek behind the curtain my position allows helped me better understand the role of other cogs in the monkey machine as it's existed over the years. From John Hughes and Andrew Sandoval on down to the nice lady trying to upsell us all at the Cane Park merch stand. Give her a raise, John! Finally, a combination of my own growing leadership career and the insights afforded by being a zilch host has led me to a deeper appreciation of four talented, complex, but ultimately good-hearted human beings who embarked 53-ish years ago on a project to play some songs, shoot some TV, and generally try to make us happy, and who have reaped the incredibly positive and sometimes heartbreaking consequences of that choice from that day on. I don't go to a monkey's concert to see a note-perfect repetition of deep cuts I memorized during the Clinton administration, if not the Reagan administration, though hearing those deep cuts over the last few years has been amazing. I go to see these guys, solo or group, in whatever configuration is touring this time, because I like seeing these men in all their humanity, ordering us to clap along to higher and higher, calling for a co chorus of daydream believer in Latin, or dancing off stage for a quick break during the opening of Going Down, sparkly shoes twinkling all the way. If that means the occasional flubbed interest or off-key note, then so what? That just shows they're human. And the older I get, the more I like my role models to be human. Because time and again, that humanity reminds me of something in myself that I need to allow to shine. That's why I go to monkey shows. Because although I wasn't sure I'd call this a monkey show when I started writing this review, over the course of telling the story of Cleveland, I came around to the opposite conclusion. Was it radically different than any monkey show I've seen before? Yeah. Did the lineup make for something unique and special? Absolutely. Was this particular hole bigger than the sum of its parts? No doubt. 
but the same monkey magic was there. From Mickey's banter to the hijinks of the freakishly talented sidemen and women to Nez's goofy post-2012 smile beaming even more brightly than his sparkly shoes. Don Kirshner or Bob and Bert or even Nez and Mickey might disagree with me. But based on the elephant part I'm holding on to, the chemical reaction whenever two or more are gathered is what makes the monkeys the monkeys. Even if the resulting compounds sound a bit different, or even a lot different, the joy is still there. And that's what happened in Cleveland. I hope you like this little musical experiment, and I'll be putting a link to my full concert recording in the show notes. You can tell by the quality of my little iPhone bootleg that you'll still want to buy the live CD that we hear Christian is going to be putting together, but what it lacks in quality, I hope it made up for in immediacy. <laughs> Addendum. June 21st, 2018, 9 o'clock p.m., Philadelphia, PA. I'm writing and recording this about four hours after the word of Nez falling ill and canceling both the Keswick show that I was supposed to attend tonight and the rest of the tour. I was actually part of the way through editing this segment when I got the news, and then I spent the evening trying to hurriedly arrange a last-minute meetup that didn't quite gel, then watching the Zilch Facebook group for flare-ups of drama, thank you for mostly keeping your heads, by the way, and then Sin and I drowned our relatively minor sorrows over dinner. Um, I had a Marnagrita, for obvious reasons. My heart is sick for so many people right now. I know, I know that Nez wouldn't have canceled unless he had absolutely no other option. And I'm sure his family and friends are making sure he takes good care of himself as he recovers. I feel bad for Mickey, because I know this tour was special to him as well. And I feel terrible for Andrew Sandoval, who, after making this amazing tour a reality, had to not only tell us all that it had been canceled, but then spent this evening debunking rumors from TMZ and other similar nonsense. I feel bad for my friend Cindy, who bought a plane ticket to be here tonight. I feel bad for all of Zilch Nation who was coming to the show. This sucks. I was torn about how to proceed with this segment, but I decided to continue assembling my review of the Cleveland show as I'd planned and let as little of future events as possible show in my voice. That's why I'm being a little vague about where I was in editing the segment when I heard. I'm actually recording this right now on Thursday night, though, because I wanted to capture this moment and these thoughts for you stupid, but I can't stop thinking about the fact that The Cleveland Show was one of a very few reviews of a monkey's concert that I didn't end without either hinting or saying outright that that show might be the last monkey's concert I'd ever see. When I did The Cleveland Review on Fandom Lenses, I knew I was going to the Keswick tonight, and so I skipped my little running tradition. Because every time I said it was the last show, I believed there was a real chance of it. And it made me all the happier when each time I was proven wrong. Per Andrew Sandoval, they'll make up the four remaining shows in January. I hope that comes to pass, and have absolutely no reason to doubt it will come to pass. But Nez will be 76, and Mickey almost 74 come January 2019. 
Every show and album and Facebook update is precious, and they can't be taken for granted, even when you went to a show five days before. That's why I go to every show I can, why I write these essays, why I do zilch, too. For whatever deep psychological reason, I seem to turn to the monkey's art at every challenging moment of my life. Maybe it's just been coincidental timings of all these reunions over the years. I don't know. If this is the last Monkey's Show recap I write, for one reason or another, I'm okay with that. I've had more than I could have ever hoped for the past six years, or hell, the past 32 years. But I'm greedy. I'm still hoping for one more versus Circle Sky. If I get my wish, you'll read about it on Fandom Lenses and hear all about it on Zilch, a Monkey's podcast. Hug your friends. Hug your family. Talk to y'all next time. You ready? We had a few episodes of Zilch that we were ready to unleash upon the world, and then the big announcement came. We all here at Zilch, we are glad that you are listening. We want to thank you for being part of this. And this all just kinds of reminds us the importance of being part of this community and being part of one another's lives. It's good to share this with you, through the good times and the bad.
We all send our love and healing energies and prayers to Mike Nesmith and all the guys, everybody who's been part of the Monkeys Project. Thank you to Mike, Mickey, Andrew Sandoval, and that incredible band for bringing us a really cool tour this year. According to Andrew Sandoval, the shows will be rescheduled. So we look forward to what comes and what may be. See you on the next episode of Zilch. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. Veterno Aiko Estanamagin Okid Ilutsit Ad Fidelis Daydream Eto Nek Regina Ha ha ha